We're going to talk today about um, Psalm 23. We're going to bring that psalm to its conclusion. And uh, it's, it's been a wonderful uh, series as we've unpacked that. But what I find is absolutely growing is God wants to engage with each of us one-on-one. He's like the super coach. And then the whole room is full of people, but he's speaking just to you and me. He wants to engage at this level. That's why some of the tools like praying and reading and worshipping are all what we need in our training. But in that moment when the super coach speaks to us, he delivers something that's going to change the game. I remember being in many um, half-time lectures from coaches. Some of them were a little abusive, to be honest. (laughs) But some were very profound. So rifle shot. I remember a coach once saying, I'm going to tell you one thing, mainly because you couldn't remember more than that, (laughs) In in the heat of the moment. And that's the truth. When we leave here, we're back into the heat of the moment. When we're back out there, we're we're doing the business. So when we're in here, there's a moment where God can speak to us, right rifle shot, right into our heart. And he delivers something so profound that it changes our world. We pray often and God's word says that his word doesn't return to him void, but it, it does something. It doesn't go back. That means when his word, his written word, is spoken, his logos is, becomes a rhema word, becomes a spoken word, and it comes to you and me, it doesn't bounce off and return to him without anything happening. But something happens. And something was going to happen today. He's going to bring a word today to you which will change your eternity and it will change some other people's eternity. That's a huge responsibility if we allow it, if we allow it. So come with me if you would. Thanks, band. You can all go. Mark, you've got to keep practising, please. (laughs) Seriously, how many chords are you going to get wrong? (laughs) Don't you know where the C major is? Give a hand to the band, particularly Mark. No, I love this, building this atmosphere. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for changing this up. Can get so repetitive, isn't it? Two songs, meet and greet, sit down, offering word. We want to change it up, not just for changing its up sake, but for how do we optimise, how do we make best use of this hour of power that we come in here? How do we make best? And that's why we're trying to do that. And of course, prayer is the most obvious thing to inject. We've been reading in Psalm 23. And um, if you can bring up slide one, I'm going to read the full psalm. Oh, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer, are we? <laughs> Have we got the slide? Because I don't remember it fully. <laughs> Ah, there we go. Who does? Come on. All the Catholic kids, eh? Ah, Good on you, buddy. Good on you. Do you want to come up and say say it? Come on, without looking at the screen? Ah, there you go. I'm not not fooling you. That's That's okay. Come on. Let's do this together. And I love this. We never want it to be a religious practice. But the words of these... Again, profound. And it's the word of God and it comes, touches our hearts. Let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow. So powerful, isn't it? That, that's, that's everything. 
so, so succinct, but it's everything. But the, the main thing in all that prayer is recognising our Father in heaven. And everything that goes on, may it be your will. Even what we do here today, may it be God's will. Whatever's spoken, may it be his word. Whatever's prayed, may it be his call. And uh, some things for us to do, we need help with. You know, we need our daily bread, of course. But we need to forgive our debts. And that's, isn't that important? Like, straight after sustenance, we need to forgive our debts. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That recognises that we do sin. We do fall short. Constantly. So we come to our Father, our loving Father, asking us to forgive us. And that he would forgive and we would forgive our debtors. Don't lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's a daily prayer. Multiple times a day, Mark, eh? <laughs> Don't, you might think I'm picking on Mark, and I am. <laughs> that's pretty clean. He said to me this morning, just pick on Mark. <laughs> but here's the thing for all of this, because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. I'm going to talk about that today. But let's just read up, pick up on Psalm 23. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then the verse that we're going to pick up on today is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Recently I... Um, my girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm a, it sounds weird when an old fella. <laughs> Special friend. I got into trouble for just introducing as a friend the other day. <laughs> so, just came with this great revelation she heard somewhere. But it was that uh, very much of our life, and, and we read the Bible and we follow the stories of the Bible. We, we sort of think it's a story about us or it's a story about great people, men and women in the Bible and it's about their story of finding God. But the revelation came that, no, this is God's story. All of this is God's story. And what we're going to talk about coming into line with God's story today. And there's a different way of thinking. It changes it up a bit. You know, our story is very myopic. It's very nearsighted. It's very, um, we're the centre of the universe and God's a lovely add-on that we've brought into our story. And the problem with that focus is that this story doesn't have really good answers <laughs> because we're dealing with the day-to-day -day with only the resource of what that story has. And that's the problem. We fight so long in life to just work out all our problems and deal with things because we want, we want to map this story out. We want this story to look like the white picket fence picture that we had as a child and we're trying everything in our own strength to make this story work. Where God says, no, come into my story. I've got this bigger story and he invites us in to his story. That's a different way of thinking, you know. Another revelation we've had recently is that we fight so hard to love God. We, we, we work hard, we find ways, we've got ideas how to love God. And that's a good thing. We're called to love God. But let me tell you what is the most more powerful revelation is that seeing it from his perspective 
that it's his love for us that saves us. It's his love for us that empowers us. It's his love for us that gives us direction. It's his love for us that gives us a way forward as opposed to our white knuckling, I love you, God. I know right now you're angry with someone on the road, but I love you, God. We've got to get into this. Let's change our perspective. Let's understand that it's his story and he loves us. And everything we're going to talk about today is on him, is on his initiative. And it's about how do we line ourselves up to receive his initiative? How do we bring ourselves into the story based on what he's given us? He's given us everything. The invitation, he's empowered us, he's provided what we need to come into his story. So let's, let's have a quick look through this right now. So um, interesting, if, if I, I put down a couple of storylines, and it's my storyline, Graham desperately white knuckles his sad existence in search of God's love <laughs> versus God's storyline. God's love chases Graham down every day of his life so that he may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the end of the last psalm there. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Other versions says, Surely beauty and love, his beauty and love shall chase me shall chase me down so that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful picture. And as the psalmist, as David, had been so many round trips with God, but this is a beautiful psalm. He finally got it. We're going to unpack a couple of little steps out of this today, which I think are critical for us to, 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 to be able to find ourselves in the story, to get ourselves properly in perspective in the story. And that's, we'll go through that now. Hmm. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to come before you today as your people. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, your Holy Spirit, right now. Father, we pray that every heart, the eye of every heart will be opened to see your glory to receive what you have for us and to change us. We pray to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this is, uh, that's the, the picture. Um, can I get up slide two? This is a, a wonderful, in, out of Jeremiah 31, and this is, says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I will rebuild you, my virgin Israel. You will again be happy and dance merrily with your tambourines. Some of you older Pentecostals just settle down. <laughs> I know, I know you're getting a little bit excited. The hand's starting to shake. <laughs> Who's ever been in the early Pentecostal days with tambourines and timbrels? I think you were in the timbrels, weren't you, Sylvie? <laughs> we're flowing. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you do that, we've got a place for you. It's um, in the kids' church, helping, helping them. Sorry, Kel. <laughs> but what a, wonderful, what a wonderful picture this is. I, I, I want us to read it again. And instead of Israel, I want to put your name in there. So I want you to just read this quietly. Lord, long ago the Lord said to Graham... I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I will rebuild you, my virgin Israel, my virgin name. You will again be happy and dance merrily with your tambourines. I feel God wants to draw us to himself. God wants to bring us into his story. He wants us to be uh, under his guidance, under his wings, under this beautiful feeling. It's not a feeling, it's a reality. God is the reality. Feelings come and go, but God's word is the same. Just was reading some, just in, in context to this, 
I was reading um, the first part of Exodus uh, and just finishing a part this morning. But finally, after all the plagues and all the things that um, God enabled against um, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the people finally came out. And it was interesting because it was such a... Um, it's, w w as I was reading through, we're sort of toggling between Pharaoh. Is it Pharaoh dealing with God or is it the people of Israel? Their thinking probably wasn't a lot different. Very early on in the stages, um, when he, he, he made the... Um, well, Pharaoh made them stop putting straw in the bricks and the people of Israel got really dirty about that and told Moses to rack off. Stop making it harder for us. So these people were quite comfortable, actually, in their bondage. And, you know, we can be quite comfortable in our bondage. We might have been in this space for a long time and we've tried to get out of it, but we can't. But we'll see that God calls us out. God calls us out. And right now I want to go through a couple of points where he calls us out. But the beautiful part about this is when they finally came out after God had provided so many miracles and opportunities is they came out loaded with all the gold, loaded up with all the cattle, all the provision for the future. So God's going to resource us. I think God wants to call some of us out of that bondage now. These people were already God's people. They were already chosen of God. So in a sense, just like us who have accepted Christ, we are chosen by God, but just like them, some of us can be in bondage. We can be living this Christian life, but locked up. But the beauty is they came out with gold and, and provision, and it said like a mighty army. So God actually wants to bring you and me out of this bondage place into a, as a mighty army because he wants us to go and go to a promised land and he wants us to take people with him. I love that. Some of the Egyptians hopped on the wagon, didn't they? They went with them. But anyway, let's move on. So um, let's look at how this is going to work. Let's start. Let's... Um, yeah, put up slide three. Let's start with the picture. Let's go to the end of the story. Let's see how we're going to transform our story to come in sync with his story. How's that going to work? Let's go to the end of the story. Let me just remind you what it says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we often as Christians accept God's offer of salvation for that end story, that we will spend eternity in heaven, that we won't go to hell. That's a good motivator. Hold on to that one. <laughs> that is, that, that's okay. I did that. I thought I was on a train to hell and I was. And I accepted Christ's invitation into my life to take away my sins. And to, to, to start this, this journey, to start this journey. But we're just, um, lost my train of thought there. Mm. Yeah, start with this picture. I want you to just get a picture in your heart right now. This story, God's story, just as it was delivered by David in Psalm 23, that you're going to spend every day forever in his house. You know, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard that which he has set up for us. We have no idea how to even imagine it. It's that incredible. It's that incredible. We, we, we can't think outside of time, but this is outside of time. We can't think of outside of this reality world, but it's outside of this reality world. And it's just mind-blowing. 
But I tell you, what, what, what the goal of today is that we can get this picture so clear in our hearts and follow the steps that he leads us in that we might hold on to this. This will be a motivator for us for all the days of our life. And it's such a picture, isn't it? But it tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, can you just put that up? Because this is where faith comes in. You know you took faith to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was able to take away all your sins and make you born again. That was faith. And it's going to take faith to hold on to the picture story, God's picture. Because it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith is a decision. We learnt that in our Freedom in Christ course, that faith is a decision. You choose to believe something. You hear it. It can come from God's word. But you make a choice to believe it. You need to make a choice today. Is that the end of the story for you? That you will live and dwell in his house forever and that his goodness and mercy will follow you. I had a, um interesting... I've had an interesting life, sort of. But I had a uh, situation way back in 1999. I went to live in the US for a couple of years and work over there. And I, was, I remember a specific word which was bought by a pastor. It was Pastor Bishop Joseph Garlington. It was Covenant Church of Pittsburgh. It was... 80% African-Americans, which I fitted right into in worship. <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought I was Steve Martin. <laughs> but he brought this word, and it, it's actually a made-up word, but it was the word repristination. And repristination is talking about making something as if it was new. And uh, I don't know why I remembered it, but just in the last 12 months, God brought that word back to me. And if you look at the middle of the word, it's pristine. And repristination is to make as if was new. And God brought that word to me in my darkest time. When I was down and out, have lost my wife and other things that had gone on before. But this word came to me. And you know what? It was a picture of what Psalm 23, 6 says, that he, through his love and his beauty, is chasing me down and rounding me up, bringing me back into a pasture forever in his house. And then all things will be new. When we come into heaven, it'll be all things will be new. There won't be tears, there won't be pain, there won't be heartache. All things will be new. I want you to get the repristination in you. No matter how old you are, we all carry so brokenness. We struggle. Yes, we've taken our salvation. And if you've accepted Christ, we've accepted that by faith. And we're on our way to heaven. But we live this other part of our life, which is just not in that repristination vision. I want you to get repristination vision into your life. Today, today, man, I am bubbling. I'm bubbling with life. I've got more things wrong than I can kick, but I, I'm just bubbling because God has been stirring up this vision in my heart for life. And it's not just for the next 30 years. Someone said the other day, what, what do you buy so many boats? <laughs> I bought one before Christmas. I said, well, I've probably only got 20 more Christmases before I go. And then, then they said, well, the last 10 you won't be able to use it, will you? So you really only got 10 more Christmases, so you better get a new boat now. This teaching takes us way beyond that. I've got a lot more Christmases. Maybe I've got a lot more boats. <laughs> no, no, Pastor Dan has been preaching from here. Make sure. <laughs> uh oh, okay. Some of us have forgotten the vision that God told you when you were first saved. Who remembers when they first got saved? When the light came on, when Christ came in. And we had this wonderful 
nothing mattered. Nothing mattered anymore. Our sins were forgiven. We're going to heaven. And this is beautiful vision. You know, it talks about losing our first love. I think that's what we lose, is that love. It is Christ, but it's our vision of what Christ brought our salvation we lose. And we lose because we're still working on our story and we're not really embracing his story. We're not taking it on. The key point, the key point of this we find in verse 1. Can we look at slide 4? And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is it. We could, we could put this as one verse and that is the Bible. I'm going to make a version. <laughs> Download it. It's pretty free. <laughs> pretty freaky. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I was just thinking about this for the last few weeks and this morning. And there's two parts to this. There's Jesus is our saviour. The shepherd is our saviour. And when we get born again, there's actually two parts to it. And I think we live in a generation and an age where we forget the second part, and that is that he's also our Lord. So he's our saviour. He's the shepherd that left the 99 to fetch the one that was you and me, way out in the thickets, brought us back, put us in the paddock. But he's not only that, he's our saviour and he's our Lord. And the Lord aspect is that I shall not want. You know, what we have to change, we've, all of us have readily accepted the saviour bit. We like that bit, hold on to that bit. But we don't accept the Lord bit that easily. Or we use his name and we, we you know, we love you, Lord. But is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? It's an important part. Who, who, who's handyman around here like me? Any handymans? Men's? <laughs> Who likes the old two-part aerodite glue or two-part glues? Luckily, these days, they put them in a nicely synchronised dispenser. Not in my early days. Where's that other second part? And you turn around and tread on it, squirt it up on the wall. <laughs> but now, the two-part, the point is nothing to do with treading on it. The two parts is necessary for the thing to stick, necessary for it to work. There's the two parts. It's Lord and Saviour. It's Saviour and Lord. The two parts are like Araldite. They have to come together. If you try and use one part of the glue, it ain't going to stick. It ain't going to work. There'll be all sorts of mess. <laughs> and that's a pretty good analogy. When we only use one part, when we only use the Saviour bit, and we don't use the Lord bit. I'm going to really... Oh, wow. I'm going to move on. I'm going to just quickly do this quick part here. I promise, Dan. I promise. It's not my fault you introduced praying in church. What the? What even is that? <laughs> I just want to go over five quick steps. Not, not, won't take, I'm going to say them real quickly. <laughs> I, could just, I could just hear everybody go, oh. <laughs> Did he just say that? Now, here's the thing. Five stages of living under lordship. Let's, let, let me tell you about whilst, whilst our salvation, Jesus is my saviour, is instant, and the status is instant. I'm saved by faith in Christ. That is instant. Let me tell you, coming under, making him our lord, really is represented by our sanctification process. It takes a process for him to become Lord. We've got to swap out all the things that we were Lord of, all the things that we wanted. I want, I shall not want. So it's all that I shall not want that, I shall not want that. This takes time. This is a process for him to become Lord. It needs to be status-wise, immediate, but it takes a while, doesn't it, for us to not want. 
I shall not want. When we get to the end of that I shall not want, then we're fully, we're fully in his story. We're doing what he wants. And, I, I'm, and I'm delighting in what he wants. We often quote, you know, um, you know, pray, whatever we pray in his name, he will do. But it's in his will. It's in what he wants that he'll do. We often go, well, surely he'd want me to have that. Surely. Stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> but that's the thing. He's absolutely got all these wants that he wants us to come into his story. He wants us to pray for those. He wants to, us to do his wants and to give up our wants and to slowly become, make him Lord of our life. So it's replacing. This is how he does it. It's all in this passage. And it's all on him. As I said earlier, this is the beauty. Not only did he send Christ, not only did he send the Holy Spirit to wake us up that we needed Christ, he sent Christ that we could accept Christ and pay the price. But then he enables all of these things. He tells us, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his story's sake. But all of those is he does this. He does that. He does that. So we don't even have to initiate these things. But we have to respond to these things. You know, I looked at that first one. He makes me lie, he makes me lie down. And, you know, it's like you poor mums having the little kids that don't have a nap. You're trying to make them have a nap. It's hard, eh? I reminded the grandies the other day. Two hours, two hours on my own. Kelly was worried, but <laughs> lucky Loz came in. And two hours, just about nappy change. <laughs> held on. <laughs> hold on to it, little fella. Come on. You got it. We got this. <laughs> and, and he did. Well done. Little Louis. Louis Leckers. He's, uh, he's a good boy. He makes me lie down in Greed Pass. Let me say that the, the journeys of the last three decades, God's made me lie down. Took a while took some stuff, but I've finally laid down in these green pastures and I'm discovering this God story for me. And, and in this story, there's this beautiful repristination. There's a beautiful newness that's coming. And this is what God wants for you. But you've got to lay down. Lay down. Take up the invitation. Sometimes you've got to smack us down. <laughs> Some of us are a bit thicker than others. That's the truth, hey. I, I, you know, he had to smack me down. But then he leads me beside still waters. So when he, once he smacked me down, <laughs> get up, get up, <laughs> get up now. Then he comes beside still waters. I love, I mean, we won't go back through all that. Dan did a fantastic job. But, but he leads me. These are all actions. Knock me down, get me up. Walk me. Restore me. Restore me. Lead me again. Okay, this way now. Righteousness, this way, not that way. But he's doing it all. I have to, I have to, I have to come in under it. I have to leave my story writing just for a bit. That's not how I had the story. I had a wonderful plot, you know. White picket fence, three kids... All these grandies. And it's not, it's, not my, it's not his story. I've had to come in line with his story. I'm totally okay with his story. I'm totally okay with his story. Do I still grieve? Absolutely. But when I grieve, I go to him. I go back to his story. I'll just finish with this last little bit. Oh. This last little bit. In studying the story of Job, you know, that's where you go when you lose a lot of things. <laughs> Who else has happened to this? This has happened to? Oh, Job. All right. Beauty about Job. It's good and bad about Job. One is that he lost way more than me. <laughs> um, and the bad part was he was righteous. 
he shunned evil. <laughs> we haven't got an excuse for Job. <laughs> but the beauty of that story, and it seems like Job, let me tell you what Job's story is not. It's not a, of a man who went through adversity and passed the test and won back all his possessions. That, he, that, that would be the perspective of, of Job's story if Job was telling the story, but God's actually telling the story. But it is in Job, finally, after all what happened, understanding that we do not know what's going on, that this is not my story, that it's God's story. He understood his life in the perspective of God's story. And so much goes on in the book of Job. All his friends are blaming him and kicking him while he's down and he's like trying to work it out. Guys, we can get stuck trying to work it out in our own understanding, in our own strength, our story. But we need to come up out of our story into God's story. What is God doing with you? Let me say the two things. Let him make you Lord and Saviour. That's the starting point. If you haven't made one of those, then you need to do it today. When we said that word comes and it does something in us, doesn't bounce back to God, one day we're going to stand before him and he's going to remind you that today he told you, I need to be your Lord. Yeah, I'm saving you, but I need to be your Lord. It's, going to, it's, it's, it's on us now. But Job is just a wonderful life thing. And I, I love this. I can so, res I can so um, understand this. In Job 38, it says, did I have that? No? Okay, cool. Um, but listen to me and then I'll tell you the rest. But it is in Job finally understanding his life in the perspective of God's story. Job 38 says, Then the Lord answered Job, from the whirlwind. Who knows that God talks to us from a whirlwind? Who knows that we're in a storm? Who knows that things are dark and, and blowing hard around us and think trees are falling down? Who, 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 you might be like that now. Maybe your finances are out of control, your relationships are broken, you can't get work, or your boss is mean to you. There's all sorts of stuff happening. You can't even, you know, there's so many things that can be happening to you but then God spoke to Job from the whirlwind and said, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? <laughs> who knows? I, I, I'm guilty of this. When something as rough has gone on in my life, I'm there trying to question God. I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to ask him for answers. And he says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man. <laughs> okay. okay, fair enough. Because I have some questions for you. God comes to you with questions today. You might have questions for God and you might be in a tears, but he's got questions for you. Because I have some questions for you that you must answer. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> he just positions this. You think you're the storyteller? Let me tell you why I'm the storyteller. This is God. He's not meek and mild, yet he can be, but he's a strong God. And he comes into your world because he wants to make your world well. He wants to restore you. He wants you to lie down in green pastures. He wants you to go by the still waters. He wants to restore your soul because he wants you to walk in righteous paths for his name's sake, for his story, not your story. And until we come unto that we won't be rested, we'll never be peaceful, we'll always have turmoil. So you, the call is that. This is Job's response. And I love this because it's kind of, <laughs> in Job 40 verse 3, you can put that up. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. That's like, shut it. <laughs> zip, zip, no. That's exactly what God, that's a response God's looking for us. Right now, 
Shut it. Stop trying to be clever answers. I'm always one with the clever. Come back. God's saying, no, no. Yep, you don't understand it. But I'm God. All I ask you to do is sh that you shall not want. Accept me as your saviour and don't want all your stuff. Come under me. Come under my story. That's the call today. That's the call. As I said, you know, I love this slide six. Have we got a slide six? I love this in uh, the message format. It says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Every day of your life, God's been chasing you with his beauty and his love. He, he, he's coming every day. He doesn't have a weekend. He doesn't have a day off. All of those things you think back, you didn't even know that God's chasing you. He's out there. You're out in the thicket, out in the bush. He's come out after you, the shepherd after the one. He's come after you and me. He wants to take us back. He wants to take you back home into the house of God for the rest of your life. Pretty cool outcome, eh? Hey, you couldn't, couldn't buy that one. This is serious. This is serious. The point that was heavy on my heart all week is that we, in this generation, and to be honest, for a long time, is we love entitlement, but we don't like the price. We don't want to pay the price. And the beauty of this, the price is actually paid for us. Even though, you know, he's going to lead us. He's going to make us lie down. He's going to, uh, he's going to restore us. It's, it, it, but we don't even want that price. We don't want to give up our stuff. We don't want to give up our comforts. We don't want to give up, you know, the things that really love, we love to do. And I'm not, I'm not having a go. There's so much of our lives that God's not here or there about. He doesn't care. You go for Broncos. <laughs> but there's so much. There's so much in our space. We're so busy writing our story that we're, we talk to the hand, God. I'm busy. I'm busy writing this story. You, thank you for saving me, but I'm busy. Right now, I just pray that God will work on our hearts. Let me tell you that in the last 12 months, particularly, God has had to take me to the darkest place. And, you know, the similarity between the story of Job and all of us is that God knows. God knows the outcome. God knows what's going to come. And God knew that Job had to go through such hell to come to that place where he said, I've got to shut up. I got, I got nothing. You've got to come to got nothing in your own strength. Then you can rely on his strength. Then you can take him on. I walked forward, as I said before, I walked forward with so much excitement because the vision that he gave us in the beginning of this is so beautiful in the end of it. The beginning wasn't so good. Let us just, just um, close our eyes. I just want to pray. And the band, if you can come up, please. You know, uh, I mentioned earlier that we, um, God's word, that's God's word we've been speaking this morning. I believe it's for today. I believe it's for us. And um, that word doesn't go back to him without it changing something. But in the centre of God's design, in the centre of God's universe, is, um, is our free will, is our choice. We don't have to take it on. But if we won't take it on, just understand the repercussions here. That God wants to bring you into his story, this beautiful place. So just while we've got our eyes closed, I want to just pray. And if God has moved on your heart 
during this time. And I'd love to pray with you after. But there can be two things. One is that you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And if so, and you want it today, just while I'm praying, while everybody's eyes are closed, just raise your hand just so I know we can pray with you after. The second one is that you've been living outside. You've been so busy with your own story that you just have never even considered that this is God's story. And you want, you want a hand with that. I'd love to pray with you today. So you raise your hand as well when we're praying. Father God, we thank you for this gathering of your people. What a privilege, God, we come into your house here. Thank you for your story that covers our lives. Your story that embraces everything in our life. But Lord, help us today. Help us to see you and your, your, your priorities, Lord. Help us to see and understand what you want us to do, how you want us to come under you. So right now, we thank you, Father, for the change of lives. Right now, just if that's you today, if you've never known Jesus Christ, but today there's opportunity to know him, just raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you later or Pastor Dan will pray with you. Pray me for the first time. Yeah, I see your hand. Beautiful. There's such a presence of God here. There's a beautiful presence of God. Maybe you've been battling it out. I really feel for men. I feel for the challenge you have. You worked so hard to forge the story and yet you're lost in it. You've hit your wits end about your own failures, your own, your own challenges. But God will come today and say, come, give it to me, give it to me. Give it to me. He's the way forward. Let's just start throwing the wants out of the boat. Let's just start throwing them out. Start throwing them out. And come to him. Come to him. If that's you, men, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Raise your hand or you can just come and see me after. God wants to do things. He wants to reconfigure your life to be his story, for you to be in sync with it. He wants to take away the pain. He wants to replace it with a picture of represtination. He wants to set you free. He wants to make you whole. He wants to give you an identity, an identity in Christ, not in you but in Christ. Thank you, Father. We're going to just worship now. Just dwell on that word while we worship. What's God speaking to your heart? Please respond today according to whatever he's asking you to do. That's how it works.
心。